0: What is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to this episode of The Platform Podcast. My guest this week is Dr. Eric Saint-Ange. He is a sports chiropractic specialist from Canada and The Kettlebell Doctor. I appreciate you guys' patience. We had a little bit of struggle getting our schedules to line up. That's what happens when each of us have two kids of our own, as well as full-time jobs, and on my side, the stress of the U.S. elections. So I really appreciate your patience while I was uh, slacking on getting this episode out. But I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you appreciate what I'm trying to do with putting this content out, please support... My sponsors, uh, the Kettlebell Kings for kettlebells, use code TCKB to get 10% off on all things kettlebell. My nutrition sponsor, Gaspari Nutrition, use code jright 20 to get 20% off at Gaspari Nutrition, as well as Barefoot Athletics, use code Twin City Kettle to get 10% off on barefoot training shoes. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, welcome in to the platform podcast. My guest today is Dr. Eric saint from Canada. He is the kettlebell doctor. He is a sports specialist chiropractor, a kettlebell athlete, and a kettlebell coach. Thank you very much for coming in, man. I'm really excited to have you on.
1: I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. So, I always ask people, how did you first get into kettlebell sport? Tell us the origin story of of how you stumbled onto kettlebells, because most people don't get into it intentionally.
1: So, yeah, the way I first got introduced to kettlebells in general was uh, my dad brought one home. So he, I I forget exactly how he found it, but he he found a guy in uh, like a town probably about like half an hour away from where, from where we lived at my parents' house and, uh, who made his own kettlebells. So the guy's name was, uh, Peter Puzzoli and, um, yeah, his, his brand was superhero strength. It's not around anymore, but he brought home a 35 uh, pound and a 55 pound kettlebell home. And, you know, like <clears throat> that was around the time, like he was trying to, to get like, you know, a little bit more serious with training and things like that. So, he was just playing around with that at home. Then I started playing around with it a little bit and to learn a little bit more about it. um, I even had some sessions with uh, that guy, Peter. So he kind of showed me a couple of things here and there. And then I want to learn a little bit more. So I went on YouTube, which was still relatively <laughs> new at the time. Like this is 2007. Now, I was so just going to
0: ask what year it was, because now that you said yeah. you, uh, before that, I was like, okay, what year are we talking about? We could go as far back as the early nineties, or we could be talking <laughs> yeah. like, you know, er, early tens. I don't know. Like what, but you said YouTube, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I got, YouTube, I got yeah, some, like, some anchor now. Okay.
1: Exactly. So yeah, YouTube was only around like what 2006, I think it was created. So this is 2007. Um, oh god like, it was a like,
0: wasteland i mean even yeah. more so than it is now it was the wild wild west
1: totally like the you know the highest uh, video quality was like 480p or something you know <laughs> so um yeah it was like like summertime 2007 and um some of the first videos i found actually was from Valery Fedorenko, and the world kettlebell club my and, man yeah honestly and uh you know i was like memorized by his um his, his, his videos where he did like the 188 snatch and I think it was like 132 jerks, I believe, like back when he was a teenager. And like, I studied those videos, like all of his videos that he had on there. And I was just hooked that I, that, you know, finally I saw that like, oh my God, like this is actually like a sport. People can compete with this. So I um, did a little bit more research on the World Kettlebell Club and saw that they were actually coming to Toronto um, in 2008. Um, then, so I decided to register for that. And in the meantime, was just trying to train kettlebell sport on my own without really knowing what the heck I was doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> How you did know, that I... <laughs> Uh, not, not that great. You know, I didn't have any pro grade kettlebells. So it was with like, you know, the standard cast iron kettlebells. I I literally like, I still have, I'm I'm standing, I'm actually sitting right next to my 50 pound, five pound, um, kettlebell that I bought from Peter, like the original one. And if you look at it, there's actually like different paint on it because I actually stripped the paint off the handle because I saw that everybody else, just doing kettlebell sport on youtube that they had chalk over the handle so i'm like oh i can't do chalk over the the paint so i stripped the paint off and i put you know so i had the bare metal so i can actually apply chalk better on the handle i eventually you know put paint back on because i realized it was a terrible idea with cast iron (laughs) kettlebell (laughs) don't ever do that it's just just terrible yeah just Uh, tear
0: up your hands oh my my god my hands were
1: torn (laughs) all the time oh my god all the time, my hands were torn up. Um, but yeah, no, I just kind of kept with it. And once, um, it was like June 2008 when they came to Toronto, um, I guess I impressed Valeria a little bit that I was able to do like, you know, a short set of snatches of the 24. <laughs> and uh, me, like, like a week later, I got an email from him uh, saying that like offering to, to coach me online. So that was, uh, I was pretty pumped about that because I've never really experienced anything like that before. Because you know, as a kid, I, I, I played a lot of sports, but I never played anything competitively. Like, the second things got hard, I got discouraged and quit. So the fact now that I found something that I was relatively good at, you know, um, you know for being so new at it anyways was just very encouraging. So I was really pumped about that that I finally found something that okay, this could be my thing that I could be actually good at.
0: Nice. What sports did you try when you were a kid?
1: Oh God. Let's uh <laughs> swimming, uh basketball, volleyball, uh Taekwondo, um Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Those oh, are wow so I'd you got say. yeah
0: you've got a pretty you got a pretty wide uh a pretty wide base there.
1: Yeah but then again like I I only I didn't keep up with anything. Like the second it got hard, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not fun. So uh yeah. But the good thing is you came
0: in I'm assuming you came in with relatively few or no injuries then when you got when you did finally get into kettlebell sport.
1: I came in with few injuries. I didn't come out with with few injuries, but that's a okay, whole other talk, story.
0: Okay, let's let's talk about that because uh, for that's actually opposite of my experience. Like I, I came in with an extensive sports background, fairly narrow and deep. And you know, uh, American football is not good for your body. I'm not sure if you've heard. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I you heard
1: know, rumors. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: apparently it's not good to smash your dinosaur head into other dinosaur heads um, over over and over again. So News to I, me. I came out with. Uh, you know, multiple surgeries. I'm like Dalton and Roadhouse. I save time by just having a list of my injuries that I hand to my new doctors. Uh, Cause oh, it, just, it just, it just, I'm not even kidding. It just saves us time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so totally. kettle, kettlebell sport and kettlebells in general uh, have actually been rehabilitative for me, but that sounds yeah. different uh, from your, from your uh, experience. So tell me a little bit yeah. about your journey. How did you, you got, you got hurt doing kettlebell sport. Yeah. How did that happen?
1: So, well, well, keep in mind now I'm a sports specialist Cairo, so I know a lot more about health and fitness than I did back then. So if I only that. knew then what yeah. I know now. Oh my God. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Cause I knew nothing about strength and conditioning back then. So like even with Valerie coaching me um, you know, online, um, again, this is only like via phone. So we didn't have like you, know, like, it was yeah, really you couldn't hard send to him a video him. of your was,
0: set and have him be like, "Not you're, really. You're, you're like, not fixating. You're screwing up your your path." And and,
1: and, yeah, like even sometimes, like when I was calling him, I would ha- have to call him in Kyrgyzstan, and I had to buy like an actual phone card to call him from the other side of the world. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, uh, yeah, the time difference was uh, a little bit silly there. <laughs> but so, yeah, two thousand eight, um, and. Yeah, so July 2008, no, June 2008 was when uh, I did the certification with the American Kettlebell Club. Um, And then I signed up for my first competition in August 2008 in Michigan. And that was with uh, Ken Ken group. Ken Blackburn uh, from
0: IKFF,
1: yeah. Totally. And um, so I drove out there and I competed with the 24s in every single one of the events. So I did biathlon, I did long cycle, I did... He also had um, chair press. Oh yeah, back
0: yeah. The, Have you ever seen Ken day. Blackburn's chair press uh, videos? Got,
1: yeah, it's ridiculous how <laughs> strong that guy is. <laughs>
0: that guy is a freak of nature. Like <laughs> he's just sitting there pressing thirty two kilos without just his like, legs, like there. Yeah, like like you and I would press a sixteen. It's totally. Ridiculous. That guy, Ken's a freak. He's a great athlete and a great amazing. Yeah, from what everybody tells me.
1: Totally. And, uh, there was one other event. I can't, re- I can't remember off the top of my head. So yeah, I think there was like five, five different events total, like biathlon counting. As and you two. were
0: going to get your money's worth, right? You're You're, totally. like, a, you're like, I signed uh, up. I'm doing, I'm doing them all without yeah. knowing
1: exactly what you got yourself into. Oh man. I, I saw a video from my sets there and it is atrocious. Like it's, it pains me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually competed, um, 10 minutes in every event, uh, except for snatch. You man. I, I, a snatch i i dropped it halfway through just because i tore two calluses on like oh, the last yeah. snatch of like the last rep i was going to do with like my left hand so that they were was probably uh, super
0: thick at that point using your using your cast iron stripped down chalked up bell i'd imagine your calluses were fairly substantial ca-
1: they were pretty big and i didn't know anything about f- like taking care of calluses or filing them down to make sure that they're not too big yeah and No, so if we're going from that to a really, really thin uh, WKC kettlebell, because that's how they were back in the day, like very, very thin handles,
0: yeah, Uh, three millimeter handles, yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Even some of them were even smaller, like those, like those early versions, like the first or second generation ones. They're they're very thin. Um, Yeah, so I competed in that one, and uh, later that I think November, November, uh, Valeria invited me to go to columbus to to do a demo at one of his um certifications that I was doing down there nice so <clears throat> it was actually the same day i don't know if you remember um you ever remember do you remember a, like a, a scott helsley isn't that name ring uh, a bell the at name all
0: rings out but i'm not i'm 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 blanking on who he is
1: so like one of the old youtube videos there's like a video of him um does, so he was the first one i think to get master Sport long cycle in the states okay or or i might i might or that might be marty i can't quite remember i want to say i thought it was i thought it was scott but in that video like i'm in the room while he's doing that so it was like that event and uh so i did a set there as well and yeah it was shortly after that actually um i was starting to get like like a little bit sore in my chest on my right side and one morning, I was um, at home, and I was getting ready to go to uh, McMaster University to, to write an exam, my final exam, and I blew my nose, and I, I'm one of those guys when I blow my nose, like I blow hard, <laughs> like when I <laughs> blow my nose. So, when I blew my nose, I fractured my rib.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow.
1: You like put, it was on like some oh,
0: diaphragmatic force into that motherfucker. <laughs> I did. Oh my wow. God.
1: Like it was, it was on its last leg. Like it was just hanging <laughs> on by a thread at that point. So, yeah. So I think what happened, like, just like with overtraining and with the constants, like with, with not really knowing like, you know, too much about technique, just having the bells just drop on you from like, from lockout to back to the rack position Yeah. just over and over, like thousands of reps. Uh, it was just, I just had enough. I guess. newbie so,
0: lifters, drop it to your iliac crest, not onto your sixth rib.
1: Totally. And, you know, don't move up to 32s as quick as I did because, man, that was, yeah, that, was, that was silly. And, uh, yeah, so I fractured. So I had, like, a fractured rib that I got. And, uh, yeah, I had to write the exam hunched over to the side. Then I went to the walk-in to figure out what the heck was wrong with me at that point yeah then, and you, and so. you did,
0: see like you did it blowing your nose which is like i i cracked a rib playing football and i kept playing because <laughs> i was all hopped up on adrenaline and i didn't like i didn't like you didn't realize i didn't realize how bad it was like the trainer was like does this hurt i was like yeah it hurts is like does this hurt yeah that hurts is like okay when does it hurt just when i breathe <laughs> like let's go mm-hmm. let me get back out there and i was like okay it's fine and then like the next day i was like oh my god i could like couldn't get out of bed but yeah you know, during the heat of the moment, you know, middle of the game, you don't think twice about it, but like blowing your yeah. nose and taking an exam, you're not exactly, uh, you know, high on adrenaline. So like,
1: no, no, no. Like it, how bad like, I just sit in the auditorium for three hours, writing an exam hunched over to my right side. How'd you just- do
0: on the test? <laughs>
1: Uh, I think that that was for my yeah that was my sports psychology exam and I think I did okay actually cuz it was like actually a really fun course I I really enjoyed that course actually
0: I I love um, I love I love psychology I love performance psychology sports psychology I was a psych major so Oh right I I, I, loved, don't. I I love I love psychology
1: I say I I probably could have minored in psych if I actually declared it but I never did I I, I took a lot of psychology in, in undergrad but just uh got my bachelor's in um, like um, honors life sciences so just pretty much general science nice but anyway so that was the end of 2009 then yeah to end of no end of 2008 for that one so then i had to take like several months off and like i'm a very slow healer so from kettlebell sport i had to like pretty much not train for for longer than i care to admit so then, you know, kind of starting from the bottom again. It take a
0: while to heal, though, too. Like, that, that is not something you can mess around with. Because if it's not fully healed, like, it will straight up crack again, too. Like, yeah, exactly. That, that that, and then you can puncture a lung, as I, as I was told more than once yeah. by the trainers. Like, no, you can't keep playing because you will potentially puncture a lung.
1: Exactly. And again, keep in mind I didn't know anything about strength and conditioning or health back then. So I'm I'm trying to like exercise, do something, but I'm just I'm just kind of delaying healing um that rib. But eventually I did heal and start to work my way back up and um you know start to get a little bit stronger again. And um I think now it was what weight but, yeah.
0: class do you do you compete in?
1: Uh, back then I was in the 90 kilo weight class,
0: okay. And what do you compete in now?
1: Uh, like 105. Okay, I'm uh, yeah, COVID has not been great for uh,
0: (laughs) hey, I've been (laughs) in the 105 plus since junior year of high school, so (laughs) you know, you're Uh, doing doing okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. So, yeah, what what other injuries I got that I get so. Yeah, I think in early two thousand. Yeah, there we go. I remember. Yeah, it was Valentine's Day, two thousand ten. I don't know why I remember it's Valentine's Day. Just Valentine's Day. Um,
0: Were you had you met your wife at this point?
1: I did just uh, two weeks prior, actually. So that's why her. you
0: remember clearly.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I met her because we started. Uh, well, we 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 started working together, and I didn't ask her out until actually. Um, in uh, May of that year so Uh, like we were just the kind of friends you know working and then eventually we started dating
0: you're like there's this girl that I work with who's really attractive and I don't have the guts to ask her out quite yet
1: pretty much and at that (laughs) point well at that point too also like I knew that I was going to Cairo school that Mm. that summer so I and I was you know most likely moving away so I knew I didn't want to start a relationship or anything like that yeah and That's february cool. 1st 2010 i start work and i see her i'm like damn it i want to marry this girl i gotta have, <laughs> I have a long distance relationship now this is gonna suck damn it yeah that, that all went through my head but uh, yeah,
0: yeah so eventually
1: we did start dating we did have a long distance relationship and we ended up uh, getting married and having two kids so it actually worked out
0: <laughs> there you go congratulations That's thank awesome.
1: you If only only uh, you hadn't
0: waited so long, it wouldn't have been long distance yet.
1: Totally. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, that Valentine's Day, I was actually uh, training somebody and um, I was training him in my garage because that was the only place where I could, you know, do kettlebells and like, you know, have chalk flying around that I didn't really care. And um, it was a little bit cold out. And I was kind of just at this point, I was just kind of teaching how, Um, you know, technique ideally shouldn't, should look fairly similar depending, no matter what weight you're using. So if you're swinging say a 16 or 40, it should look relatively the same, you know, technique wise. Mm -hmm. And at this point I had warmed up quite enough and, um, you know, again, cold. So when I was swinging the 40 kilo with one arm, I herniated my disc. So yeah, that was not fun. Uh, i it was never, I never got a MRI back then of the disc, but, um, with a symptomatology, I would say it was L L five S one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So then I had to finish the personal training session with, oh. you know, with, uh, with a little bit of pain there. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Just, just, a, just a scosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
1: uh... yeah. And that was also,
0: was that radiating down your, down your leg?
1: then um eventually symptoms did go down a little bit uh not too but not too much thankfully but um yeah and also man that was that really stung too because i had gotten invited to go to a camp in st petersburg that that summer or like or like late that uh that spring and only like a few people got that invite to go so i had to actually say no that i couldn't go anymore because i hurt myself so (sighs) Yeah. That would have been the first time like North Americans were invited to Russia to train for kettlebell sports. So yeah, I missed out on a good opportunity there, unfortunately.
0: So, so now the question that comes to my mind is, uh, were, were the injuries part of what precipitated you becoming a, a sports, a sports chiropractor or were you already interested in that before you ever got hurt?
1: No, actually, I, um, it was actually because of kettlebell sport that I am a chiro honestly that's because other like i've had like other little aches and sprains come up along the way and i went to uh my my dad's cairo and i had seen her when i was like god like in sixth grade or something like that for for stuff back then and uh, i went back to her and she fixed me up and i'm like this is awesome because I mean,
0: cairo is next to god i tell you and <laughs> with the totally capabilities it's amazing
1: yeah because i i really because You know, like I was saying, mentioning earlier that like growing up, I was trying to play sports and I was never good at anything. So always get discouraged. And now that I finally had something that I was good at and I was traveling to competitions and making friends and all that stuff and to keep getting hurt was heartbreaking. You know, it sucked. I hated it so much. And it was just, I was just disappointed with myself and sad that I couldn't train because I kept getting hurt. So when I went to her and she actually helped me get back to doing a sport that I love, I was sold on that profession. And that's what really uh, persuaded me to, to, um, to apply.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and so when did you, so when did you start? uh chiropractic school and is is it different i'm not sure how i'm not sure how well the curricula align across uh america versus canada like how long do you how long do you have to go is it is it the same duration because you obviously you did your undergrad in general sciences and then yeah and then you went to chiropractic school how long how long is the training in in canada for for becoming a, a chiropractor
1: well funny enough i actually did my chiro schooling in the states Oh, nice. So that was like the whole like long distance relationship thing. Like I'm moved, cause I was moving to another country. I didn't assume uh,
0: because Canada is a relatively <laughs> large country too. So you yeah, have distance
1: there. We only have two schools in Canada and one's in uh, Quebec and they only allow five people outside of the province of Quebec uh, into that program every year. So it's, wow. you know. And it's all in French, which is which is fine. Like, gonna, I was
0: just I was just gonna ask: Does it have to be I'm, in French as well? Cause, cause yeah, because yeah, like I'm I'm in fluent French.
1: in French, so it's it wouldn't been a big deal. But um, yeah, the way that it worked out, um, you know, I decided to go to the one to the school in the states, um, just because the, the 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 way that it works in the states is that they work on trimester, and they kind of run just year round. So instead of it being a four-year program in Canada with summers off, like you would see in like, you know, traditional university and things like that. In the States, it's literally year round with just like a week or two in between trimesters and you're done in three years, four months. So it's the same amount of schooling, just compressed.
0: Condensed, more Condensed, intense. exactly,
1: yeah. yeah. Americans because- are
0: intense, I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> I, I graduated undergrad in 2009 still not knowing what i really wanted to do and it was only later that that year in 2009 that i applied for Cairo school so i took essentially a year off from under between undergrad and Cairo school so it was also another reason why i kind of wanted to catch up on missing time or lost time um so to, to, to go to the states to kind of do the the quicker version of uh Cairo schooling
0: yeah well and you and you had a you know, a girlfriend to get back to and, and, uh, put a ring on the finger and all that, all that good stuff too. So totally. All the, exactly. all the more motivation to, to get the certificate faster than as fast as possible. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So and... what makes,
0: uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: Oh, I was just, I was wondering what, what's the, what's the difference between, I, I don't, I, I'm, I know a lot about chiropractic in general, but I don't know about the different subspecializations. So, so what makes a sports specialist chiropractor different from say, uh, you know, a general health chiropractor or what other subspecializations are there within chiropractic care? Mm
1: -hmm. So it's different within the States and Canada. So in the United States, you can get a diplomate in various, um, subspecialties. So, uh, for sports, there's like a, there's a diplomate that you can get in, um, sports sciences and you can work your way up, uh, You work your way up to fellowship status? I I can't quite recall. Um, But there's like, I think like 30 different diplomates that you can get within the chiropractic profession in the United States. But in Canada, there's only five specialties that um, the college recognizes in Canada. So sports being one of them. So for myself to, to to become a sports specialist here in Canada, Um, There's two different routes you can do it. I did the route where I did a residency out of the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College in Toronto. So it's a competitive residency residency that you apply into, and it's uh, two years full time. And through that, you just fulfill all the requirements that you would need to, and then you take your fellowship exam. And if you pass, you become a fellow with the Royal College of Chiropractic Sports Sciences Canada uh there's also another route that you can do it independent of a a um, formal residency program and that is you find a advisor who is a sports specialist Cairo in Canada to kind of help guide you and you have to do fulfill all the other requirements but kind of try to, to find all the pieces on your own versus like the residency how I did it everything is just kind of handed to you so most people that when they do it externally, they um, enter into a master's so that they can fulfill their um, their research requirements. So they have to to create an original research project to do a systematic review, publish some case reports, uh, a bunch of different coursework, um, a thousand field hours as well. Um, I think that's Most of the requirements off the top of my head, I think there's a couple more, but... Um, yeah so it
0: sounds pretty easy like anybody could like
1: (laughs) like anybody could do it you know what i had so much free time back in the residency compared to now having two kids at home (laughs) it's it's ridiculous
0: that is is very true painfully true
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so i went the residency route and um yeah two years full time and it was um yeah jam-packed all the time so i had to you know every we did like several like uh, professional pres- rounds presentations that you had to present to uh, in front of the entire school periodically. Like each re- each one of the residents would take turns, so you had to get used to you know preparing academic um, presentations. Um, gosh, yeah. So I did my own. I did my original research project too on the Turkish getup. So I um, I did a Why did uh, Turkish did a- people
0: get up like that?
1: I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I did a, uh, I studied the shoulder muscle activation during the Turkish getup. So it was just a descriptive analysis. And yeah, so Heretic. I had, yeah, so I had uh, 12 subjects come in and just slap a bunch of EMGs on their shoulders and had them each do, I think, 10 trials of the Turkish getup on their dominant side, and just kind of described what was happening with their muscle activation during the entire process. So, awesome. yeah, thank you. So that's actually published now. It's been published for several years now. So um, if you just like, literally are just going to PubMed and just search my name, it'll, it'll come up. I'll and put the link it's... in the
0: show notes so people can, cool. so people can read it because it, it is a, it is a good study. And it's one of those uh, if I only knew then what I know now, right. I, I had my left shoulder surgically reconstructed in my, freshman year of college after having it uh, sublux over two dozen times so oh boy uh, had i had i known uh in high school what i know now uh i yep. would have had a much much more stable shoulder girdle and much better balanced anatomy and uh you know i wouldn't have spent i would have spent more time rowing and doing pull-ups and not so much time on the bench press but uh yep. you know la <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: hindsight is 2020 i tell you boy so um yeah so then i what else i do yeah just a bunch of school work and then i yeah, eventually wrote so i did my residency from 2014 to 2016 and then i was able to sit for my fellowship exam uh late 2017 and i've been a fellow since then excellent oh so, yeah so it,
0: forgive forgive me if this is an ignorant question but i'm american so mm-hmm. um i don't understand how socialized medicine really works um is chiropractic care covered under uh Canadian healthcare, or is it something that you have to pay for out of pocket?
1: Out of pocket. It, it originally was, I think, up until early two thousands. I think. Uh, I'm not. I don't quite know. It was kind of before my time as a Cairo, of course. But no, it's not covered by our universal healthcare. So um, if you want to, you know, get Cairo covered, it's you know, you pay cash or you get it uh, covered by uh, private insurance if you have it
0: I mean frankly I'm glad that that was the answer because otherwise I would have been so jealous I, <laughs> I, I mean I, I'm already jealous of your of your socialized medicine so uh, I, I probably I probably just would have been more so uh, if, if yeah Haro, if I mean, care was also covered but
1: uh, yeah like sure we put, we pay more taxes on the front end but it, it it comes in handy I gotta say when you need to go to the hospital for something, you know, God forbid, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have it when you yeah, need not, it.
0: Not having to worry about how much is this going to cost me and will it put me into bankruptcy is uh, a nice, a nice peace of mind to certainly to have when, you, especially <laughs> when you're like driving emergently to the, uh, to the hospital. Right. What advice would you give to somebody, uh, who's in kettlebell sport as far as, spinal mechanics and what they can do to take care of their body so they prevent injury and if they get injured what you know what's your approach to uh spinal rehab and uh you know cueing and and all of those all of those things i know that's a very loaded question so i'll shut up and let you talk
1: yeah okay boy uh so yeah so like so one to keep you from getting injured and two what to do once you are injured basically yeah yeah Essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, first thing to keep yourself from getting injured, uh, I think one, get a coach who, who, who knows a thing or two and who can, you know, ideally in person, but you know, with a pandemic, it's kind of harder to have that done obviously, but um, somebody can actually look at your form to make sure you're, you're performing the, the movements um, you know, ideally, you know, cause uh, you know,
0: but even even that's even that's kind of a loaded a loaded perspective too right because there are a lot of people that look at the spinal positions on in kettlebell sport and go oh my god doesn't that hurt your back (laughs) and i'm like yeah i'm like no not being able to do this hurt my back
1: well you know what man like there there were times when like just being in the rack position hurt my back a lot uh but it was because my hips were so stiff that I was compensating with my low back. Mm. So having somebody there to maybe like, you know, screen your movements to make sure to to kind of figure out if there's any thing like just glaringly obvious, like, okay, your hip does not function like a hip. So we need to make sure that your hip is actually a hip before we, we proceed
0: <laughs> how many how many degrees of range of motion is it supposed to have exactly because
1: yeah like i i've sure literally had have them all i've literally had patients with negative 10 degrees internal range of motion of, wow. of of hip so you know somebody like that eventually something you know the hip or up the line or down the line is going to to you know to gonna, gonna break so have have somebody look at your movement to see, okay, does he actually have, do they actually have the prerequisites to actually perform the movement itself? Like, can you actually unloaded, bring your arms overhead without any compensation? If Don't you can't do that, dysfunction. exactly. Like if you can't do that, there's you're silly to lift a kettlebell overhead. Like I've seen so many people who can't just lift their head, their arms overhead without, you know, arching their back and, you know, eventually that will hurt your back down the line, you know, sooner or later, it's something that's going to happen. So, you know, just doing a proper screen where you can actually look at, you know, each joint and just looking at the movement to see like, okay, they can actually get into that position unloaded. Now let's work on loading them progressively and so on and so forth and doing that smartly and having a proper periodization in your training plan and having you know putting in your proper deload weeks and all that stuff to make sure that you're actually recruit you're uh, recovering excuse me um, now, now
0: when you when you when you talk about uh the the range of motion component of it are you a proponent of uh like myofascial release and things and and those types of techniques and then loading the movement. That's a, that's a strategy I've seen a lot like active activation techniques, active release techniques, and then load the movements. Once you can establish the, the appropriate range of motions that you then load the movements to, to help reinforce that movement pattern with load, or do you keep it unloaded until uh, they can consistently uh, establish those positions without any load at all?
1: It 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 depends on the context. So I I wouldn't answer. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's always it depends. So I mean in a perfect world, people will be able to just have you know the the proper amount of range of motion that they need for the tasks that they want to perform, you know. So it depends on somebody's goal, whatever they want. So if you have like you know a gymnast versus a power lifter. Obviously, mobility goals are vastly different. So, um, I'm not sure I'm asking your question. ask the question again. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just I was curious.
0: There's a dichotomy, right? In the in the mobility world and in the strength and conditioning world, right? Do you not put somebody under load until they can safely perform the range of motion necessary for the movement without load? Or do you do modalities that help increase range of motion, activation techniques, release techniques, etc. that allow them to achieve the range of motion and then put them under load so that there, there's a theory that that actually accelerates the gains by activating and releasing to put them in proper range of motion. And then by loading once they can get into that, that range of motion, that they are then actually activating the, the stabilizing muscles and et cetera. you're addressing weaknesses and dysfunction in the acceptable range of motions and you can actually get progression faster. It's kind of a dichotomy I've seen among experts. And I'm curious what your what your take is from your expertise and your experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So certainly for, for me as a healthcare professional, like, you know, I can actually put my hands on somebody and perform either myofascial release, acupuncture, joint manipulation to essentially, you know, quote, jumpstart the whole process and, you know, provide a small window where they have access to that extra range of motion. That was the word I was
0: looking for. Thank you. (laughs)
1: The The window. Yes. So that they can then, train on their own to help reinforce that newly achieved range of motion. Um, Because literally if somebody just goes to a practitioner like myself and just gets passive care and then doesn't do their homework at home, it's not going to do anything. Like everything that I do when I put my hands on somebody is temporary. Mm -hmm. Like the body is not, you're, open,
0: you're helping them open open the window for them to be able to train safely and reinforce those movement patterns. But if they don't it, take advantage of that window, they're wasting their money, wasting your time, wasting their time.
1: Exactly. Because the body is not, the body is smart. You know, it's not going to change permanently after one input. That, that, that is an extremely fragile body. If that happens, you know, the body is not going to do that. So me as you know, the therapist, I can help somebody open up that window, get some get access to that range of motion. But it's up to them to do their rehab exercises that I would prescribe to them to reinforce that range of motion. And if they don't do that, well, yeah, it's just going to go right back to where it is. You know, you have to change certain habits um, to to you know do you to do that rehab so that you can keep that range of motion that you have, and then you need to maintain that range of motion as well. You know, the saying, if you don't use it, you lose it is very true, especially when it comes to range of motion. So it's something that you need to practice every single day and, um, you know, visit each the the full range of motion of every one of your joints uh, in order to maintain that. No, I think it. it, I, I I personally think it's harder to gain range of motion than it is to maintain range of motion. So, um, I mean, like with my with with my girls right now who are still very young and flexible and have as much range of motion as they'll (laughs) ever get in their joints. You know, like I'll do things even like when they were you know two months old. Like I'm moving their ankles around. I'm giving them dorsiflexion of their ankles because I want them to to still have that ability when they're you know 40 50 years old to be able to get into a deep squat so um
0: it's 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 amazing isn't it they're just like ass to grass no problem sitting there yeah. standing looking around reading a book like exactly eating so that's their what... Cheerios, whatever it's <laughs> like no big deal and you're like well for me he sitting at a desk way too long every day i'm like mm-hmm. oh, oh this hurts oh how yeah. long have i been down here like three hours now like seven seconds <laughs> <laughs>
1: Totally. So yeah, for especially kids like, yeah, like their age, like, yeah, get them to do stuff or even just help just, you know, make it a game, you know, just kind of move their hips around, obviously safely. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a professional, I know how far is too far. So I never go too far, of course. But um, yeah, just to kind of help maintain joint mobility and joint health. And that's how joints get nutrition is through movement. And that's how you get that fluid exchange in the, in the joints, and um, how the joint gets nutrition is through movement. So you Say need to. I'm
0: not a kid though. Sam, like I don't know, like a thirty-seven-year-old guy sitting in his basement on a podcast, you know, asking <laughs> for a friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, how do you how do you approach uh, warm up and? cool down and mobility like when's the right time to stretch when's the right time for active warm up versus uh myofascial release versus like because all of those that you get different information depending on whom you ask uh when's the right time to release muscles when's the right time to activate muscles when's the right time to stretch uh you know et cetera. Et cetera. what's your approach to pre-workout prehab workout post-workout mobility like how do you approach kind of the holistic approach to uh you know expanding Mm -hmm. range of motion restoring range of motion and training
1: right so it's yeah, it's a big question. So I let's know say I ask like, big
0: questions, man. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. I prefer big questions rather than little questions. So if you're about to train, you're going into a training session, you want to do like a set of kettlebells, you know, kettlebell sports session. Um, you know, that's when you want to do a proper warm-up. So a warm-up should consist of getting physically warm. So you start off with like, you know, sub-maximal aerobic activity to get your heart rate up. So five, 10 minutes, depending on what you're doing. So for me, I, I go on my stationary bike for about five minutes, just to get a little bit warm and get my blood pumping. And then I'll start to do some kind of like isometric contractions just to activate certain areas that i want to have activated so for me in particular just because with my history of low back pain and knowing what my limitations are i do a lot of things for for glutes so i do a lot of like bird
0: dogs or
1: i do bird dogs and i do banded bird dogs and also do uh fire hydrants
0: did you say bended or banded i'm sorry
1: banded Banded. so i'll put okay yeah so i'll put like you know the heavy band between my knees and i'll actually you know do a minute in each position so i'm doing that because
0: i can't picture it but i'm now i'm intrigued because i do bird dogs all the time and i always tell people like if you're not sweating like pushing your foot out and your arm out as hard as you can actively like you're probably Mm -hmm. not doing them right but i've never seen a banded variety so now i really (laughs) now i really want to see that because i feel like that would help me
1: yeah. Just make sure you're wearing, you know, ideally long pants because the, the band on your legs, if you have hairy legs like me, it, it's a, it, it hurts a little after a while. I'm not going to lie. It's a little uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> I'm more worried about the rubber band snap, like, you know, coming off and snapping me in a place I don't want it to, but, <laughs> but I I also appreciate the, the tip because I am, a I am a hairy Yeti. So it's mm-hmm. good, good, good to know, but I definitely want to see a video of, of that, uh, of that exercise because i think that would definitely be helpful sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but that's no worries that really and
1: yeah so then uh i you know follow, you can follow that up with um uh oh my god what's the word i'm looking for it's it's like 9 p.m right now oh, oh 9 20 <laughs> right now so I'm, I'm a little bit in a fog right now that's but right. Um, you
0: young kids i understand you're, <laughs> in
1: the, you're in the fog of sleep deprivation of totally parenthood uh so then like something like leg swings so you're actually you know yeah. performing like a large amplitude um you know Highly bounding
0: active high, yeah
1: yeah there's a word for it i can't think of it at the moment it's 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 blatantly obvious i just can't think of it in this dynamic particular is that the word you're looking for Dyna- yeah like yeah like you're doing a dynamic warm-up essentially so a dynamic uh movement so i'll do like leg swings like 50 on each side but at a fairly oh, wow, brisk, a yeah. brisk okay. yeah so at a brisk pace as well yep. so what you're doing by squeezing all of your, those muscles and you're actually working them in this particular way, you're getting, you know, this uh, post activation potentiation. So that next time that I want to, you know, contract those muscles, it's going to be a lot easier for your body to achieve that.
0: All right. Not all of us went to chiropractic school. You got to dumb that down a little bit. Post activation potentiation for, 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 for for the dummies in the conversation.
1: So so, for example, okay, so everybody at home, if you're not driving your car, one of the things that you can do right now is like if you go into a doorway and you're in the middle of the door, so the doorway is on either side of you, you just kind of push your arms into the doorway nice and hard, and you hold that for a good 30, 45 seconds and relax. And then you can just notice, then you try to bring your arms back up. You'll just notice that your arms have an easier time of going, you know, you're, you have an easier time of abducting your arms mm. uh, at that point. so So right now tense,
0: relax, stretch tense relax stretch that that not
1: not really stretch just like tense like tense them like contract the muscle like isometrically relax and then then lift your arms up so like then you then you actively go through that range of motion of like the muscle group that you're i meant meant
0: stretches and increase the range of motion not not actively stress but like you, you start at one you start at 10 degrees tense and then relax and then move up to 12 degrees tense
1: well, in this, in this particular case, just as, this is just as like a demo. So you just like just squeeze at um, whatever amount of degrees, like 20 degrees, whatever. And you just hold that for a good 20, 30 seconds, like really hard contraction. Then you move out of the doorway and then you try to lift your arms up. Oh, it's okay. almost like your arms are just kind of being lifted up because your, your, your muscles are now primed to... Um, to to oh. to to contract
0: post activation potentiation okay yeah <laughs> i totally got so, it
1: like literally it's in the name so post activation so post like so like the yeah, action it, but- it
0: makes it makes sense now that you <laughs> it. you know it's it's uh you know it's 8 30 for me but uh yeah. you know, so I, so that's why people me a second
1: exactly so that's why people warm up muscles that's part of the reason is that you know so that the next time you contract those muscles it your body has an easier time to contract those muscles because they've been activated so many times prior to. So then, you know, it's, you you'll be able to achieve the move, the movement you want to do a little bit easier. So that's why people, again, like warm up muscles, like before you go into, you know, do a set of squats, for instance, Well, you warm up with, lighter weight squats and you work your way up to heavier squats. You uh, so just I was, jump so I was in. gonna
0: go I was gonna go the other I was gonna go the other way with this. And I was actually thinking like, is this why when you do like you know five cleans with a 28 28 kilos and then you drop down to the 24s that the 24s suddenly feel light? <laughs> or is that that's, a different different physiological phenomenon?
1: That that's part of the reason. Yeah. I would say. So um yeah I mean like that's how you know like to get better at 28 kilo jerks train 32 kilo jerks, you know, like the third the 28s will feel relatively lighter, right? It's,
0: it's certainly a, that is a fact you know, and better. then the, it's <laughs> the, the 24s feel super heavy when you came up from 20s, but they feel really light when you came down from
1: 28s. Totally, exactly. So yeah, so prior to training, having a proper warm-up is ideal, is it, it, it's, it's I should say ideal, it's necessary. Yeah. You know, it's um, optimal. Like, like
0: if that's what you wanted, if you want to optimize your performance, you got to take the time to warm up. So exactly. How, how long do you take? I mean,
1: I, I, mean, I take like I mean, 25 kettlebell
0: sports sessions take, take a good 60 to 90 minutes. A lot of times. How much time yeah. do you take prior? I mean, are you taking 30 minutes to warm up yeah. at a two hour session?
1: well like well now with you know kids you know well, before before
0: and... <laughs> before you had an 11 month old to, to take you away
1: well yeah. before back in the day before kids and things like that um again uh my warm ups would probably be a little bit quicker cuz again I didn't know quite as much as I do now so my warm ups would be maybe like 15 minutes or so and then sessions you know lot, as long as an hour and a half or so now my warm ups are like tw- are, are like a half an hour and my training session would be like another maybe forty-five minutes or so before yeah. the kids wake up. <laughs> so, like, I prioritize warming up now for sure because I I don't want to get injured again. And then, but
0: what about <laughs> but what about what about post? And this is the thing that's made a big difference for me is the post. I I, I neglected post post workout stretching for like many many people, right? Because it's like oh. You either neglect the warm-up or the cool-down typically <laughs> one of the two I... typically gets typically gets cut off and i've 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 decided to neglect neither and i would actually rather shorten my training session than mm-hmm. neglect either my warm-up or my cool-down because the one thing that's going to derail me faster than anything is getting hurt <laughs>
1: and, totally and,
0: and so i i take the time now and i tell my athletes after every session i mean they can tell you like two things i say all the time is last set's your best set and uh don't forget to stretch <laughs> you know yeah. before before we sign off i always tell them don't forget to stretch because you know you've shortened you've physically shortened your muscles by contracting the same muscle over 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 and over and over again over the course of 100 200 reps whatever you've done in the in the workout like they physically get Mm -hmm. shorter and shorter and shorter and if you don't restore that that active range of motion when they're warm and trained you actually shorten your range of motion over time right so like post-workout stretching for me and if i'm wrong please correct me
1: well, I know some of the research has shown that, um, you know, doing like a long, you know, uh, stretching after like a, a, a training session is not necessarily, um, it might lead to actually increased soreness of the muscles if you stretch after a workout. Really? so i would say anything just do like a like a little cool down afterwards do like
0: five minutes so <clears throat> i shouldn't i shouldn't I don't, want, I don't want to overstate like i'm talking yeah, okay I, then I you're like five minutes i'm talking like i do you know uh child's pose bird dog or not bird dog uh, pigeon pose uh you know some dragon lunges like things that are going to restore the range of motion in okay face, yeah my hip internal and external rotation if i can uh some, yeah some stuff for my thoracic spine you know yeah yeah you're
1: you're you're fine with that stuff but like if you if you're putting in like a long stretching session after like a strength session that you're, you're gonna get no, you're man, gonna be I got, real i
0: got i got two kids that need to be fed dinner or put to bed or teeth brushed or whatever so like if i can get like seven minutes of stretching and that's a that's a win
1: <laughs> for, yeah for me. i I hear you. Like the second I go on the floor and I stretch, something my both my kids are jumping on me. Like (laughs) I have. (laughs) So um, yeah, like after yeah, doing like a cool down for a little bit, that's great. Like I just want to do a heavy stretch um, centric, um, you know, routine right after a heavy session because just you might just be a little bit more sore for the next day or two after that. Uh, versus if you didn't do it
0: yeah it's funny that you say that because anecdotally now that i think about it like i've i've recently started um i i now do uh, an extensive warm-up an extensive to your point like 15 to 30 minutes i do my 60 to 90 minutes of training depending on how what phase of our cycle we're in, right? If we're in the heaviest phase of a biathlon, it's going to take 90 minutes, and then I do f- five minutes cooldown, and then I'm like, I don't have time for GPP because I've already been at it for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on, so then I do my GPP and my cardio and my stretching on my off days. So so, and I've actually found that that generally I, I get better, I get better results from a soreness recovery, et cetera, by not doing a big stretching session not doing gpp on the days that i'm doing my my heavy kettlebell sessions even though it's a greater frequency of training uh by spacing the volume out more and also having the intensity undulate between those different days i have found that that actually increases my uh, increases my recovery, decreases my soreness and increases my increases my performance uh, in, in, nice. my, yeah. in my kettlebell sessions, since I don't really track my performance on my GPP. Cause I don't care, about, <laughs> I don't care <laughs> about my performance on my GPP. I care about my performance on my kettlebell stuff.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So um, yeah, I'm not sure where we're going with that. So uh, I was
0: just yeah. rambling. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to make it cogent. It's fine. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> So yeah, that's like the main, the main gist of it. So warming up very well before a session, you know, using some active stretching, um, you know, some using some active range of motion to get your muscles primed up for the session. And then after the session, a little bit of cool down, um, I wouldn't go heavy into the the stretching after a session. And um, like you're saying, like you're saying, um, save your, your active stretching for a, Separate um, day entirely and kind of dedicate that session to that. To do like kind of work on the areas that you need work on, kind of focus on those areas. And internal every day hip
0: rotation. Ugh. Yeah,
1: that's 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 a big one for a lot of people. Is the internal range of motion. And uh, David, um, every, David
0: Keown, the Irish Irish kettlebell yoga master, has gotten me really. Uh, he he I, I'm not sure I'm negative ten degrees of internal rotation, but I'm definitely. <laughs> I'm definitely one of those people that can barely internally rotate uh, my head. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm making progress though. And it does, it does make a difference.
1: That's good. And again, it's, it's all relative, you know, for, for kettlebell sport, do you need to have more range of motion? Not necessarily internal range of motion, but for hip health, I would, I would, you know, tip towards probably, yeah. You know, so it depends again, what the the purpose is i want so, to be that
0: guy that can still like squat down and pick up his grandkids when he's 75 right that's 100 you know, like, like 100 is great and like but let's be honest i'm never catching ivan Denisov. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> you know he's been at he's he's been at this for 30 years longer than me <laughs> you know so i'm like i'm i'm not going to catch that guy i'm i'm no, here to yeah. do this to try and to try and be as strong and healthy as I can for as long as possible uh so I'm to totally. try and bear that in mind even though I like in my head I'm like ah I want to get you know master sport I want to get CMS like all of those goals but at the same time it's like at what cost, though? Right. If, exactly. if, if you get master of sport, but you aren't able to do anything when you're sixty, was it worth it? No, because I didn't make any money by being master of sport. It's not like, it's not like being an NFL player where you sacrifice your health for the upward mobility of your family. Like it's just a, yeah. it's an achievement. But,
1: but know, look, any any yeah. sport performed at a high level is not, you know, quote, healthy for the body. Yes. You know, I mean, and I tell. I mean, the, the body was not designed to put on a skate and hold a stick on one side and slap a puck into a goal, into a net. Like it's not, the body was not designed for that, you know, like, yeah. you know, hockey players, they do man
0: really well. And it's awesome to watch.
1: Yeah. But then, <laughs> you know, when you're 32, you're getting a hip surgery already. Uh, it's, you know, it's at what costs again, I'm not knocking hockey obviously like, I'm a sports no, specialist because I want to keep, excommunicated I keep...
0: From, from Canada, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, like that's the whole, one of the reasons why I'm a sports specialist, because I want to keep people in sport. I want to keep them training like monsters and keep them to do the sport for as long as they physically can and want, you know, and you know, I don't want to have somebody stop doing the sport that they love too soon because of injuries. Yeah. that's
0: that's, I mean, your point is really what I, you know, what I get into with people is what we call the, the, the triangle of awareness and it's, you know, performance aesthetics and longevity are the three points of the pyramid and you can optimize for only one of those at a time. Now you can move directionally towards two of them typically at a time, or you uh can decide you want to be directly in the center of the, of the triangle. And then you're not going to optimize for any of them at any (laughs) given point, but you can't optimize for for all of them at the same time and that's such a huge struggle that people don't don't realize they're like well i want to perform like a world champion athlete and i want to have visible abs all the time it's like yeah well, no 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 you no you don't understand like that's not that's not how it works like exactly look at 95 percent of the world's you know optimal performers they don't look like george saint pierre he's a freak of nature he just happens to have six-pack abs all the time and perform like a freak of nature because he's a freak of nature (laughs) yeah he doesn't he doesn't train to have six-pack abs he trains to be the best mma fighter in the world and he just happens to have six-pack abs (laughs) like exactly that's coincidental you know but david cormier is also a world-class mma fighter or you know both of them before they retired. David Cormier was a world class MMA fighter and a world champion and walked around, you know, with a little bit of a beer belly. But mm-hmm. he could hip toss a, he could hip toss you and knock you out in half a second flat, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, or Rulon Gardner versus whoever that Russian machine was that he beat in the gold medals back in, you know, back in the day, right? Like yeah. Uh, performance and aesthetics two different things. Longevity different things, totally. right? Like that yep. I think that's such an important thing for people to understand. So Yeah, 100%. I want to be, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got, I know you got two young kids, you got your wife. So I want to make sure that I let you go on time. If
1: good, they're, they're already in bed right now. So it's fine. Awesome, <laughs> But I know um, you had two, two, two kids too. So yeah, I, I also want to be respectful of it, your time. I've
0: <laughs> got to put them at, to bed <laughs> at some point here, but uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one more question. And it's one of my favorites <laughs> to ask people who are both experts and experienced lifters. If you could give a lifter, be it new or experienced, if you could give them one piece of advice that you, wish you had known when you started your kettlebell journey you know though if i knew if i knew now what i knew then what would that one piece of advice be for for somebody that wants to perform at a high level in kettlebell sport
1: boy get help And <laughs> <I'm, clears throat> no like like mental surra- help <laughs> no like surround yourself by people who are in the same boat as you and you know can have you know can it can feed off each other and you know bounce ideas off of each other and um you know, so that you can both thrive together instead of going it alone. So, you know, it's either get a coach, get a, you know, like I have, I have a, I, I'm have, in a Facebook group with a bunch of other kettlebell heads and we just talk training all the time. And it's good to kind of keep each other motivated and, um, you know, to have that community behind you. Yeah, so find
0: your tribe, right. That's so huge.
1: Exactly. Totally. So, um, that would be the main, the main thing honestly is just to, you know, surround yourself with some like-minded individuals so that, you know, if the time comes, you need some help with something like you, you know, who, who to call essentially. So, you know, get that network.
0: That's awesome. Well, Dr. Kettlebell. I very much appreciate you coming on. How how can people find you? How can they follow you? How can they hire you? Any of those things um, you know this is your chance plug plug yourself on the on the social medias. You've got a good you've got a good YouTube following with uh what journey journey to CMS or journey to master uh, sport. Well, Sorry, journey to master the of sport.
1: Road to master sport. Ah, it's so close. It's been it's been a little bit on hold this year cuz you well, obviously the pandemic I yeah. It's like the extra kid. So to sit down to edit videos is uh, proving difficult, <laughs> um, but it is happening behind the scenes. Uh, not as often as I would like, but it's, it's happening. Uh, but yeah, if you want to find me um, just look on any of the socials, it's Dr. Eric St. Um, they don't allow hyphens on a lot of the usernames. So it's literally just D R E R I C S T O N G E. So Dr. Eric Stange with, you
0: know, Nothing I'll either. tag I'll tag it in the uh, there we episode go. description for you, for everybody. Make it easy.
1: Yeah, so literally all, all the socials is that same username.
0: Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I I've, now I've got to ask you, how is the journey to Master of Sport going? How is the road to Master of Sport going?
1: A lot of setbacks, unfortunately. You know, uh, like, well, with all the injuries I've had over the years. And, well, I've, I've got my Master of Sport in Snatch only. Oh, nice. So, uh, Well, so you're a
0: master of sport, at least in one of the three. That's one of them I can say. So congratulations. Thank you. You get that that title for life master.
1: There we go. Yes. (laughs) But I'm still looking for, for master of sport in biathlon and long cycle. Those are the, the ones I've been really striving for. Um, Like right now, honestly, my main limitation is just consistency because you know, family's priority of course so that's
0: i mean that's that's the that's what matters ultimately it's i i get it you know it's yeah it's it's so that's taking care of the family and finding time to train and uh that's yeah that's always the that's always the the struggle
1: like this is 10 years ago. Like I'm literally training like five days a week for two hours every day. That does not happen anymore. I'm lucky if I get three hours a week. That's a, that's a good week if I get three hours a week. <laughs> Oddly
0: enough, we don't get any younger and it doesn't get any easier as we get
1: older. No. <laughs> and the, more and more of those three hours is dedicated to warm up because I'm getting older and, older. and so it's, it's not a good, uh, relationship there. It's yeah. No.
0: I, I hear that it's a race against the clock or you go the other way and you're like, look, I'm looking at those senior divisions. And I'm like, if I can just maintain my strength at the 24 kilos and hold out long enough, I just yep. need to age into the master of sports.
1: <laughs> That's my strategy. I'm like, I'm just going to
0: age into the master of sport category. If I could just keep, the 24 kilo weights strong enough like i'm just gonna age it totally. that's that's my goal so. <laughs> now I, now the secret is out
1: <laughs> there you go exactly <laughs> we well, Eric, thank
0: you thank you so much man i really appreciate your time and i really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us thank you so much i, I can't i can't uh, express enough how much uh valuable information was packed into you know an hour here so i really appreciate you taking the time thank you so much i'm glad we could finally make it work
1: yeah, absolutely. Thank you. This, this is my pleasure. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi Wright. If you have a question, please email me at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, on Twitter at TCKB Club. Online at TwinCitasKettleBowClub.com. And please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.